we're going to be looking at a, a passage uh, of Scripture, that actually that Fritz, you read out last week. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27. We'll have it on the screen. And here we go. It says this, And the Lord's laid this on my heart, and even in this service today, I've really felt confirmation of this message. Um, that presentation on your screen is a little bit untidy. It's because I wanted to get the whole passage on the screen with the verses next to it. And there's a reason why I've done it that way, which will become obvious in a moment. But this is what the word of the Lord says. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. But what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And so we're going to park ourselves in those four verses today. But I'm taking the liberty, I want you to know what I'm doing. I'm taking the liberty of rearranging the order of those verses as we just flesh out the words of Jesus. So this is the order I'm putting them in. So this is how it is, same four verses. So you can see the last verse now has become the first verse. For the Son of Man will come with His angels in the glory of His Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. And then verse 25, if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you will give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So I've done that. I want you to know what's happening. We're going to progress through those four verses in that order. And may the Lord speak to all of our hearts today. So our first verse says this, For the Son of Man will come with His angels in the glory of His Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And as Anne-Marie mentioned already, the Son of Man is a title that Jesus often used to describe himself. And so we could read that verse to say, For Jesus Christ will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. That's our first verse. Well, let's park there just for two or three minutes. This verse is telling us very clearly, one day Jesus Christ will return. And I think today would be a good day. <laughs> Jesus Christ came before, but this time he will not come back again as a baby in Bethlehem. But Jesus will return in his glory as a King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus will return in authority. Every eye shall see him. And he will return with his mighty angels who will then gather up humanity as described in Scripture. This divine event, everybody, will be incredible. It will be beyond our comprehension as time and space give way to eternity. And we will see Jesus for every eye shall see Jesus. And then Jesus Christ will firstly judge all people, the living and the dead, according to their deeds. That's what we read. Our deeds will be examined to see if they measure up. That's the point of them being judged. And then according to Matthew chapter 25, Jesus will sort out the sheep from the goats. 
and the subsequent coming judgment, or sorry, and he will reward the sheep, sorry, he will reward the sheep uh, with heaven, but the goats will be condemned to eternal damnation. So consequently, the future return of Jesus Christ, and I want everybody to listen to this, the future return of Jesus Christ is inevitable. It will happen. It could come and happen at any moment. The future return of Jesus Christ and the subsequent coming judgment is actually the backdrop to the entire Bible story. If you want to know what the whole Bible's about, because there's lots of stories in here, there's lots of things that the Bible talks about, but this coming event is the backdrop to the entire Word of God. It's what the Bible's all about. In fact, the primary purpose of the holy book, the Bible, and by the way, the Bible is the world's only holy book. The Quran is not a holy book. Other religions' books are not holy books, sorry. It's only the Bible that is God's Word. And the primary purpose of the Bible is to prepare each one of us for our future appointment with the great judge of all the earth. That's what the Bible's there for. God gave us a Bible because He doesn't want anyone in the entire world. He doesn't want anyone to be surprised by that final day and the events of that final day. Rather, God mercifully wants you and he wants me to be prepared and ready for eternity. And the Bible is very clear about how you can prepare yourself for your appointment with Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear about how you can have your sins washed away and be made right with Almighty God. Amen. Therefore, the future return of Jesus Christ and the coming judgment is something that we should all take very seriously. I'm not trying to ruin your day by talking about this. I want you to be blessed in Jesus' name. But don't bury your head in the sand like the proverbial ostrich while danger is coming. We've got to take the return of Jesus very seriously. However, many people are dismissive of eternity as described in the Bible. They give no consideration to such things. And for some people, and I've met them, this talk about Jesus to them is all just a big joke. Indeed, many people live their earthly life just drifting along as though this life in this world lasts forever. How stupid, how dumb is it to believe that? People are dropping like flies all around the world. Is it just me? But it seems, you know, movie stars, famous people. Life doesn't, in this world, doesn't last forever. And yet many people live in pursuit of pleasure, possessions and achievements while never actually giving any thought to the condition of their soul before Almighty God. What a tragedy that is. Therefore, in view of his future return, Jesus asked the people of his day the two most important questions of life. And that is this. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? That's question number one. Question number two is, is anything worth more important? Is anything, does anything worth, is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? This is the second verse of the passage we're looking at today. And these two questions of Jesus 
that he first asked 2,000 years ago, these questions echo, echo, echo down the centuries to our time today. And the cry from Jesus Christ to our 2023 internet modern world is this. What do you benefit if you gain this whole world but lose your own soul? Jesus told the story where a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. The rich man said to himself, what should I do? I'm doing so well. I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough, you have stored, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. And who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And so real life church, people online, ladies and gentlemen, Your soul is more important than all of the money, than all of the success, than all of the pleasures that this world can possibly offer to you. Therefore, as followers of Jesus Christ, I urge everybody in this room, young, old, in between, people online, as followers of Jesus Christ, I urge you to guard your heart from falling in love with the stuff of this life. Don't trade your salvation for the temporal things of this world. Don't be tricked. Don't be deluded. Jesus is coming again. A man by the name of George Beverly Shea. Some of you have heard of him. He was a worship leader for Billy Graham for over 60 years. And he wrote a song that says this. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and to be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than worldly applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. May that be our prayer. So now we come to our third verse in the passage that we're looking at today. Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If any of you wants to be my follower, God calls, God invites, His Holy Spirit draws us to follow Jesus and be made right with God. 
If you are not right with God today, I promise you the Holy Spirit right now is drawing you to himself. The Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart today. He's drawing you. He's inviting you. God invites us to prepare our souls for eternity. But please note from the verse on the screen that Almighty God does not force anyone to follow Jesus. That's why Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you have to want to follow Jesus. Following Jesus Christ is your choice. And the Holy Spirit can knock on your heart of your door, but will you open the door to him? It is your choice. And to want to follow Jesus is the best choice. It is the most intellectually rational choice. To follow Jesus is the most intelligent choice a human being can possibly make. But you have to want to follow Jesus. You've got to want. I want, I want to follow Jesus. And some people do want to follow Jesus. In fact, I suspect there's a few people here this morning who do want to follow Jesus. Could you give me a wave if that's you? <laughs> of course. You, us, me, we recognize our need for salvation. We understand that we need to develop a rich relationship with God and we need to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And so people who follow Jesus, we're rightly concerned about the state and condition of our souls. However, many other people don't want to follow Jesus. They have no concern for their soul. They think such talk is all silly. They mistakenly think that they're just fine with their own religion. Or fine with their own worldview. They reason that they will be okay in the afterlife because God will be cool with them because they've been reasonable people. But this is what Jesus said. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow And the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. That narrow gate in that Bible verse on your screen, everybody, that narrow gate is referring to Jesus Christ himself. The narrow gate to eternal life is Jesus Christ. You can find, only find eternal life when you choose to follow Jesus. There is no other way. Brothers and sisters, listen, 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 listen. Because the world's getting inside people's heads, including Christians. That's why I'm stating some strong points today. There is no other way to Jesus. There is no, sorry, there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. There's no, no other way to heaven, eternal life, except through Jesus. All other roads, all, 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 all other religions, all philosophies, and all other worldviews, they lead to eternal destruction. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Nevertheless, now listen carefully because this message is swinging a little bit in a different direction now. Nevertheless, that road that we're all on this morning in this room, that road to eternal life, that narrow road, that narrow gate, nevertheless, the road that leads to eternal life, it's a difficult road to travel on. Being a Christian can be hard at times. Being a Christian could be really tough at times. Who knows what I'm talking about? Of course it is. 
It's not easy to follow Jesus in this life. And that's partly because preparing yourself for eternity gets very uncomfortable. And it's a daily, lifelong endeavor. So Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So let's break it down. Give up your own way. That means to get off the throne of your heart. None of us in this room likes to do that, including me. That's why it's so hard at times. But giving up your own way means to get off the throne of your heart and invite King Jesus to be in control. It means to deny your selfish nature and find out from the New Testament, your Bible, how Jesus wants you to behave. You must give up your own way. Wow. Then the next bit, take up your cross. Take up your cross means to keep your sinful nature crucified. The Apostle Paul said this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a great Bible verse that is, everybody. Let me tell you, that verse on the screen there sums up the Christian life. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Each day, we need to make sure that our old self, our old nature, stays on that cross of self-denial. Who knows what I'm talking about? But sometimes your old self wants to get off the cross and it wants to take control again. Who's found out that? You've got to keep it crucified. Put it on the cross and keep it crucified. And then instead, we live a new life under the authority of Jesus. We live a new life by trusting in Jesus Christ because He knows where He's going. Amen. This daily discipline is our preparation for the return of Jesus. Then to follow Jesus means to go where He goes, go where He leads. It means to copy Him. It means to be like Him. He's our template. He's our example. And to be more like Jesus is, should be every Christian's goal. I want, you know, how's your life going? Oh, I'm becoming more like Jesus. That should be our greatest ambition in life. You know, people talk about their dreams and ambitions, you know, and I think people blow them way out of proportion. But anyway, our biggest dream and our biggest, biggest ambition is to be, be more like Jesus. Be more like Jesus. Dreams come and go, but I want to be more like Jesus. Ambitions come and go, but I want to be more like Jesus. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. So Jesus Christ clearly and plainly demands that you and me, that we surrender our own way of living to Him. Surrender the throne of your heart to Jesus. Surrender your ambitions. Surrender your will. Surrender your dreams. Surrender the words that come out of your mouth to Jesus. Surrender your secrets. He knows them all anyway. Surrender your past. Stop holding on to the past. Stop letting it be a shadow over your life. Surrender it to Jesus. Surrender your habits. Who's sitting next to somebody right now who's got really bad habits? Just keep your hand down. Well, you can't surrender their habits, but you can surrender your own habits. 
Surrender your prejudices. Did I say that right? Prejudices. You got the gist. Surrender your fears. Surrender your relationships. Surrender your sexuality. Just park there just for a moment. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> we'll talk about that on another day. Surrender your money. Surrender your addictions. Surrender your leisure. Surrender your future. Surrender your grudges. Surrender your opinions. Surrender your heart to him. Give it all to him and say, Jesus, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And whatever you do with your life, do it all for the glory of God. Somebody shout out, Amen. Amen. During the early 1990s, some of you will remember this, a Christian author wrote a book called In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? What would Jesus do? And so the phrase, what would Jesus do? Remember that, everybody? Became very popular among Christians in the 1990s and in early 2000s. Eventually, Christian bookshops began, wear, uh, began selling wristbands. I had one too. And cups and stuff like that with the letters WWJD. WWJD, what would Jesus do? And as a follower of Jesus, um, I'm just trying to give some advice here. I hope it comes across okay. But, you know, as we navigate the situations of life, I think it's really helpful to regularly, and I still do this, I think it's really helpful to ask ourselves a question, what would Jesus do in this situation? And then when you've asked yourself that question, then you go ahead and do what you know Jesus would do because you're meant to be following Jesus. For example, and if I look at you as I go through these examples, I'm not thinking about you. It might, it might be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, no offense, but if you want to take some, go right ahead. But if someone offends you and you're angry uh, with them, and you know, the world's a very angry place at the moment. Well, before you open your mouth and yell at them, ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? Maybe you need to keep your mouth closed. Maybe you need to actually walk away and deal with it later when you've cooled down. Maybe you might even have to forgive that person. If you're tempted to have a lunge, long, longer lunch break at work, than what you are allowed, because you know that your boss will never find out, before you take that lunch break, remember Jesus is watching. Seriously, he is. It's actually the things that nobody else sees that count in life, I think, sometimes. Your behavior in private. And you need to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? I'll tell you what Jesus wouldn't do. Jesus would never rip your boss off. If you're tempted to flirt with a person who is not your wife or your husband, then you need to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Don't flirt. If you're tempted to take a loan because you want a new house or a new car, but the loan is going to put your family under significant pressure, your finances will be stretched out to the maximum, before you make that decision and sign that contract, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Maybe a slightly smaller house might be the way to go. If you're invited to a party and someone invites you to smoke some pot, then ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Actually, if you've got to ask Jesus what you should do on that one, there's something definitely wrong. I'll tell you what David says. Don't smoke pot, anybody. 
What would Jesus do? It's a very helpful and practical question that you can apply as we follow Jesus. And of course, we learn what Jesus did and would do. We learn from the Bible. See, it all comes, keeps coming back to the Bible. keeps coming back. Read the Bible. That's what, why we say it's good to read the Bible. But if you're unsure about what Jesus would do, then seek advice from others who are mature in the Christian faith. And together, they can pray and get some illumination on what you need to do. But our goal is to surrender everything in our lives to Jesus and follow him and obey him. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Then Jesus said in our final and fourth verse of our original passage that we started looking at at the beginning, he said, remember how I rearranged it, and this is a final verse we're looking at, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, For my sake, you will save it. A number of years ago, I went to Malaysia, to Sabah, and I climbed Mount Kinabalu with Ivan Mills, just the two of us together. We also had a guide. Um, Mount Kinabalu is 4,000 metres high. It's about nearly half the size of uh, Mount Everest. Um, And so it took two days and a night for us to climb up on the summit. We slept on the side of Mount Kinabalu. And it took us two days to get up there and back down again. It's an amateur mountain. Ivan had climbed Mount Kinabalu before, and he was actually quite familiar with the climb and the, the, the route and knew what to expect. But it was still a tough climb. And we spent some time climbing in the dark, but we had these lights on our hats to find our way. I'll tell you what was the hardest thing about climbing Mount Kinabalu was the atmosphere when it got thinner. When we, at about 3,000 metres, it started to become hard to breathe. But we had our lights. At one point, we, we came to a part of the climb where Ivan warned me about a sudden and dangerous drop. Uh, we were along an edge. He says, just be so careful. That is steep. And, and you'll, you'll die if you go over the edge. And we shoved along. But it was so dark, as I shone my light down, it, I just couldn't see. I couldn't see very far. And I I just presumed the drop was just hundreds of metres. And so Ivan urged me to hold onto a rope. There was a rope that we followed, which the rope led up the mountain. You had to hold onto it. And so I held onto it really tight, so tight. And I felt the tension in my shoulders, my arms, from from the danger of falling into the abyss, falling into the jungle. And then Rochelle wouldn't have me in her life anymore. What would she do? (laughs) <laughs> don't ask her what she would do <laughs> so I remember that being a little bit nervous about it thinking seriously seriously and that part of the climb was very difficult as I clung onto uh, the rope but later when we were coming down we made it to the summit and then we came down and we were coming down the mountain we came to the same spot however in the light of day I could see there was no sudden drop Ivan I could see that I had been completely... The sudden drop was about that high. (laughs) Ivan had tricked me. And if you listen to this, Ivan, I think you can remember. If you know what Ivan's like. (laughs) He just enjoyed watching me respond to what he said. He enjoyed watching me cling to the rope and to the rocks (laughs) for fear of my life. And of course, when I figured out what was happening, he just laughed with delight in the way that Ivan laughs with delight. (laughs) he's a bit of a tease isn't he the truth was I did not need to cling so tightly to the rope at all 
I was, I, was, I was actually totally safe. I wasn't in danger. And you know, when I thought about it, I thought I should have known Ivan was tricking me. And the reason for it is, is because Ivan's actually my, my friend. He's a good friend. And I know that Ivan Mills would never have exposed me to such danger as that because he's my friend. Amen. Jesus Christ is our friend. We just sang it in that hymn. I didn't even know they were going to sing that hymn today. What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus is our friend. And when we follow him, you can trust him. He keeps us safe. And Jesus won't expose our eternal souls to danger. He's there to rescue us. That's what this message is all about. And we can and we should let go of the things of this world. You know, we can cling so tightly. But if we want to have life, we've got to let go of those things. Because this world is just so false. Instead, we, 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 we need to put our trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For in Jesus Christ, we have life. We have a real life. Amen. He keeps us safe for that day of his return. You could trust Jesus. Let go, trust God. Let go, trust Jesus. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with His angels and the the glory of His Father and will judge all people according to their needs. There's only one way to live life in 2023 and that is by following Jesus Christ with all of our heart. And that's the end of that message. Amen.